0: Welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. A new podcast series is coming to Spotify about the last days of Diego Maradona. Amazon Prime does one better with a new Maradona series uh, featuring an unlikely cameo. We analyze CBS's coverage of the World Cup qualifiers. Telemundo shares initial plans for their World Cup coverage. And the world awaits the decision from the Premier League about the US TV rights. And guess what? It's NBC Sports. On the panel today, uh, we have Karthik Uh My name is Christopher Harris. Kartik. so after all that, we've been talking on this podcast for what, about two years about the Premier League TV rights deal. I remember back in January, we did a podcast and we said at that time, it's possible. We, we could see that maybe CBS and ESPN and Fox perhaps, would team up together to try to beat NBC Sports to get the rights to the Premier League and lo and behold, Thursday, we're recording this. Uh, the announcement is made that NBC Sports has renewed the rights to the Premier League for another six years in a mega $2.6 billion deal. Uh, vast, way more than double what they're paying currently. What's your, what's your take on this, Kartik?
1: Well, the status quo is good for soccer fans. I think it's the best bet for soccer fans in this country. Was it staying with NBC, because you'll get more games on linear television than you would have gotten with uh, Warner Media or with ESPN, with CBS, with Fox. Actually, maybe not more than with Fox, but uh, more distribution, uh, channels with greater distribution, right? USA Network is in, much, in many more homes than FS1 or FS2. Uh, so I, I think uh, it was good for the fans. My uh, other takeaway, and we'll get into this during the podcast, is uh, – I think that's an exorbitant amount of money to pay for any soccer property that's not the World Cup in this country. So uh, I'm a Premier League fan. I'm a a Premier League guy. But um, uh, I'm concerned NBC may have overpaid for the property. And even when you look at the cost of something, like CBS's uh, SEC deal is ending in two years, right? And ESPN is taking it from them. But uh, CBS paid – Approximately 300 million a year for SEC rights over the course of that over the course of the latest uh, rights deal. I mean, they, they have the rights for 25 years, but the latest uh, a cycle, and uh, you know that gets uh, uh, four, four and a half five million viewers a weekend. Now, of course, it's only about 15 games a season or, or, or 15 or 16 games, and this is a lot more. But um, I am concerned about the price tag.
0: The irony is, Kartik, is that NBC Sports did such a good job of promoting the Premier League since 2013 that it has now had to pay more than double to keep those rights, to to still show that league. And, and a lot of this is testament to NBC Sports. And, and yes, we've been critics of NBC Sports. We've been critics of Fox and CBS and ESPN uh, being sports, you name it. But when they do positive things, we say positive things also. And over the course of the last um, nine years, the, what NBC Sports has done is raised the the level of coverage of soccer in this country um, it 's got some heavy competition from some of the other broadcasters now um, A lot of that is because of, of NBC sports and what they 've done and how they 've raised that bar but going back to what you were saying about the price on this one i 'm on the other side I, I look at this as being more of a World Cup buy uh, as well as uh, you mean like you know, keeping people from stopping uh, Cutting their subscriptions, or cord cutting, definitely. But the World Cup, Telemundo needs this World Cup. Telemundo needs the Premier League to cross promote. This is a perfect vehicle for that. And also, even on the on the English side with the the World Cup twenty twenty six, it's going to be massive in this country. Uh, a lot of stars playing um, on the world stage in North America. Most of those stars probably will be Premier League footballers, whether they're playing for Brazil, Argentina. England, uh, you name it, or Germany, etc. A lot of these stars are playing in the Premier League. And I think NBC Sports having the rights to the Premier League during a World Cup cycle and also having the Spanish-language rights to the Premier League, from what we understand, through with Telemundo on the Premier League, that's a big plus. That's huge. And, and uh, when's the next time we're going to get a World Cup? Probably not for another couple of decades so so I think this is actually a smart move. Uh, I'm sure it's much more than they're willing to pay. But also with Peacock, too. Peacock is something that, without the Premier League. Imagine how many people would be cancelling their Peacock, uh, Peacock subscriptions in May 2022 when the last uh, year of um, the, the NBC uh, deal ran out. You I mean, there'd be hundreds of thousands of people cancelling overnight. So this is a big deal, too, for NBC Sports and, and Peacock and we'll see what peacock does that's the big question does peacock get better does peacock improve um, or is it still kind of i mean, kind of a really out of all the streaming services out there it's probably the one that's one of the the least liked which is which is uh, tough to say but it's true
1: yeah uh, chris uh, so james andrew miller who uh, uh is on twitter and is a kind of a media savant he knows uh the industry really well he's actually reporting um as of uh, 18 minutes ago, when we're, as we're recording around four o'clock Eastern on on Thursday, that two sources tell them both Warner and Fox came in with higher bids for the Premier League than NBC. Implication is the league thought it was better for its own visibility in this country to stay stick with NBC. I I would agree with that. I um, I'm not surprised by Warner Media. They were my dark horse all along. In fact, I told someone privately uh, yesterday uh, that our, yesterday being Wednesday that uh, I thought Warner might take this. I I know everyone was talking ESPN, CBS, but I thought it would be, if it didn't stay with uh, NBC, it would go to Warner Media. I know they were very hot on the property. But the Fox part of that, Chris, surprises me, which means Fox, who have taken the Euros, they uh, have Copa America now, uh, they are uh, becoming once again a big player for soccer rights, whether fans like that or not. They're in the game.
0: Yeah, but they've missed out on a big one right here, Kartik. So, so you're saying that uh, so James Andrew Miller, who's a, a best-selling author, he's written books about ESPN, about yeah. Saturday Night Live, about uh, kind of the agency business side of things. So he's saying that Fox and Warner Media came in with a higher bid than higher bid, yeah. Wow. Than NBC. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, so,
1: and the Warner Media part, I believe, as I said, Chris, I, they were they were my dark horse, but Fox that shocks me. So maybe. We think about MLS a little differently. That's probably not for today, but maybe Fox is going to keep MLS. We assumed that they would let go of it, but they, they certainly have some cash lying around to, to bid for rights there.
0: Yeah, again, I th- i keep on going back to the World Cup, and I think that the, the Premier League, if he, whoever had the rights to the Premier League uh, would have had a lot of, um, basically, w- w- with the World Cup, if, if Fox had the World Cup and the Premier League, in terms of that cross-promotion between the two would have been perfect uh, now that they don't have that, it's going to be a little bit harder, and, and yes, they'll be interested in, in Major League Soccer, but that's not going to move the needle as much as the Premier League uh, does. But it's interesting, though, too, about um, NBC Sports and the Premier League, well, the Premier League really deciding to go with the lower bid, if true, uh, with NBC Sports, and it does say a lot about the relationship that NBC Sports has with the Premier League. Uh, we know it's been rocky at times, but... the the fan festivals, uh, all of the coverage that they've had, how they've been able to elevate this league in this country uh, to a much higher level. And I think at the end of the day, some of the the players that were working behind the scenes at NBC Sports uh, were the same ones that uh, did the initial deal. Uh, And now they've been able to leverage that relationship and that communication and that trust and and that partnership. It really has been a partnership. And um, for them to go... Uh, With a lower bid, even though it's a massive bid, with Comcast and uh, NBC Sports, that's massive. That says a lot right there, Kartik.
1: Yeah, that says a lot also about the league, because I think the league understands that they have a certain visibility in the U.S. market that other European leagues don't, and that they've just gone for uh, continuing that and maintaining that visibility. Look, the last time NBC retained the rights, the league ruled out a balance, a joint bid from Fox and ESPN that I at the time believed, and I, I think you may have too, Chris, you were one of the people who reported on it first uh, at the time was going to be a higher bid if it had been accepted uh, right. monetarily. But they <clears> had <throat> done such a good job with the promotion of the premier league. The first three seasons, they had the league, uh, or at that point it had been two and a half seasons that, uh, that the premier league thought and Richard Scudamore who had a real command of the TV uh, media game was still the premier league uh, chief executive at the time. Now it's Richard masters, but it was Scudamore at the time. And I, I felt like he, he thought the league had, had advanced so much on NBC in the U S they couldn't risk going back to their previous partners who had not promoted the league. And that, that may have been an easier decision because ESPN and Fox had not done with the property. What NBC had, this may have been a little more difficult uh, again, fox, uh, maybe not, but the Warner media side may have been intriguing because uh, yeah. Warner media h b o max yeah and h b o max can do anything with any property we've seen that i think
0: movies. i think they'll I mean, 't g- we we have to kind of uh, give some credit to the Premier League though too, because i mean if they follow the u s market, which obviously they do. They would know, in terms of the sense of morale or support of people that believe in fox sports' coverage of soccer yeah it's yeah. low right it's not it's not a uh, mean if if the rights had gone to fox and maybe, and maybe it was Fox and Warner Media as a joint deal, or it fox been,
1: yeah.
0: or Fox by themselves, there would have been a lot of people just just freaking out going like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening to to the premier yeah, League." They-
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Chris, but the point I wanted to make overall, uh, uh, and sorry I went about it in a roundabout way, was the other European leagues in, that, that have had media partners in the U.S. have not followed the same strategy. They have just gone with the highest bidder. So uh, a bunch of uh, leagues ended up on BN, uh, which limited their exposure in this country because they went with the highest bidder. Uh, same thing with uh, the Bundesliga when they were on Fox. Now, the Bundesliga took a step back, and my understanding is they took less money maybe than they would have gotten otherwise to, to, to move to ESPN uh, last season. But uh, previously, they had made the same mistake, and La Liga had made the same mistake and had found themselves buried on uh, in for a number of seasons, and I I think – Um, La Liga is in a position where their position might be unsalvageable vis-a-vis the Premier League in terms of the competition in the U.S. Um, The thing that might have salvaged it is if uh, ESPN had gotten the Premier League and had, like they had done with La Liga, taken it off linear television completely. So I think uh, this is also good for the Premier League in competition with the other leagues that are buried uh, behind uh, streaming platforms on ESPN and uh, I had just observed Today, actually, it's funny because I tweeted it earlier today, not knowing the Premier League rights would come uh, come down today. The decision, Chris, that I mean, I'm really impressed by what CBS has done with Serie A in contrast with what ESPN did with the same property. I didn't say it in my tweet, but it was basically saying, hey, I'm just really impressed that they've they found all these time slots that ESPN couldn't find for the league for three years. So um, I think maybe the Premier League really dodged a bullet, not by not being on Fox or Warner, but by not being on ESPN. You could argue that.
0: It's going to be tough for ESPN, though, too. I mean, they just lost the rights to the European Championships. So Euro 2024 and Euro 2028 are going to Fox Sports. And now they've lost the rights to the Premier League uh, through to 2028, about the same time. So what does ESPN have? So ESPN has the Bundesliga. ESPN has La Liga. Both of those leagues are technically great leagues, a lot of history, but are not going to, I mean, bring in... Millions of subscribers to uh, ESPN Plus just for those leagues themselves. Together, uh, it does. You mean, it's a status quo. So if you're a soccer fan hoping, I think, that, and there were a lot of people out there hoping that the rights to the Premier League would go to ESPN Plus uh, or Paramount Plus, but no, they they stay with uh, Peacock and and uh, with NBC Sports. So in order to watch your soccer, you're still going to have to get Peacock, Paramount Plus, ESPN Plus. And with the MLS deal coming up uh, pretty soon, who knows, HBO Max and some others. So either so, while the status quo is good in many ways for the Premier League, especially, uh, and it's good for NBC Sports, and it's good for Peacock, I think there's a lot of disappointed fans out there who are hoping that that yeah. CBS-ESPN joint deal, um, which that would have locked everything up, practically. Yeah. Practically, no, right?
1: That would have probably been bad for... Uh... Uh, I think that would have been bad for the game in the country in this country. To be honest with you, everything was consolidated on those two networks.
0: Yeah, the the other thing, though, I mean, we go back to I mean, just to Fox for a minute too. I mean, so they must be thinking, okay, what can we do? What's what's happening here? We bid more money reportedly than uh, NBC Sports for the rights to the Premier League. Um, also, a story I've never shared before, and um, I was always waiting for the perfect opportunity to share it. But according to my sources, years ago now, uh, when NBC Sports got the rights to the Premier League uh, back in 2013, there was a bidding war over Men in Blazers. At the time, Men in Blazers had been with ESPN, and uh, Men in Blazers were talking to Fox, they were talking to NBC Sports, they were talking to a bunch of different media companies trying to figure out where would they go. And at the end of the day, what happened was, uh, according to my sources, is that Fox Sports bid more money uh, for the Men in Blazers than NBC Sports did. But Men in Blazers, uh, Michael Davis and Roger Bennett, decided to go with uh, NBC Sports, even though the bid was lower. And, it, and it's a smart move because in terms of, yeah. you mean, it being in step with that as a broadcaster and kind of riding the wave with the Premier League versus uh, Fox that has had what? Major League Soccer. And yes, World Cup and Women's World Cup and things like that. But not, club soccer, other than Major League Soccer, they're pretty much out of the game there. So it just goes to show in terms of Fox is bidding more money than, than some of these uh, media companies, but still losing out. Um, it, that's got to hurt a little bit.
1: Yeah, it does. And that, that's, uh, that's quite a story, Chris, because I think uh, men in Blazers have had a lot to do. Uh, they're not necessarily my cup of tea, and I know they're not yours, but they've had a lot to do with NBC's ability to raise the profile of the Premier League in this country. And there are a lot of fans uh, of the game who tell me they came to the game via Ben Blazers, which, uh, that, again, you know, it's, it's not my cup of tea, but I have to respect that that's been a gateway for people to, to, to embrace the beautiful game. And that has also led um, – uh, Davies isn't as uh, aggressive about Chelsea as, as Bennett is about Everton. It has led to a surge of Everton fans in the United States. So I think – um, that's a really good piece of a uh, uh, business by NBC and a good decision by Davies and, and Bennett to go with NBC. Also, one other point I want to make: I have to think now that uh, reportedly there may have been higher bids, and, and, and I'm sure there were higher bids in round one, right? And round one probably woke up and, uh, NBC Universal. I have to think the relationship between the Premier League and Scott, thirty-year relationship now from the beginning, the inception of the premier league sky now owned by Comcast, their sister channel, sister, sister, uh, broadcaster of NBC universal. I think that that may have been a tiebreaker also. Um, why not stick with the sister channel of your, uh, of your main broadcast partner in your home territory, which always worked the Fox's advantage when, uh, Rupert Murdoch had money tied up in B sky B for, for those many years. And, uh, now, it may have worked to NBC's advantage.
0: Yeah, the other thing about this, though, too, is that uh, NBC Sports lost money um, on the Premier League deals that they've had. And now <clears throat> and now they're spending more than double to keep the rights. So, I mean, there's definitely – this tie-ins also with the Olympics. Uh, there's tie-ins with the Winter Olympics and uh, another coverage. There's tie-ins with the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl is going to be on NBC uh, next year. And that's an opportunity then, I mean, so there's a lot of of different things coming coming up in terms of um, coverage opportunities and ways that NBC Sports can use the Premier League to keep subscribers, I mean, not to lose them, um, but also to promote some of their uh, other coverage and vice versa, have some of the other coverage promote the Premier League.
1: And this gives them a a block of programming on USA Network, which uh, they're converting from and in entertainment, so I, I think what another thing i 've come to understand in the last week from talking to people chris since the, our, our last podcast I guess our last podcast was now about two weeks ago is that usa network uh, nbc has felt NBC universal has felt Comcast that they 've had to evolve USA network partly because of streaming services that are that are showing the same movies and programs that have traditionally been on USA network so The people who would watch USA Network now are watching the same things on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Now, I'm not in the entertainment uh, media business. So this is something I was not really aware of, to be honest with you, until I talked to a couple people in the industry who said this is why NBC is gravitating sports or a big part of the reason NBC is gravitating sports over the USA Network. And by the way... Knowing I'm a soccer person, telling me I think they're going to need to keep the Premier League because they need to have that programming on USA as they transition that channel. So, uh, because they don't have the NHL anymore, so we, uh, that probably played a role in it.
0: So we've discussed Fox Sports. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. We've discussed uh, ESPN. Uh, we haven't discussed really CBS Sports. I think I think this is kind of a almost uh hitting the ground this is kind of a a realization for them i mean they definitely put a bit in they were definitely interested they were talking about partnering with espn on this one um but this this is this is tough a tough blow for them really because when you think about club soccer just european club soccer so when you think of uh espn plus now that is what bundesliga uh, La la liga and major league soccer You think of the Paramount Plus, and for the most part, I think Serie A, Um, and then you look at NBC Sports, you look at the Premier League. Um, Yes, CBS Sports has the Champions League, as well as NWSL, as well as a whole host of international soccer, um, as well as Brazilian League, Argentine League, but relatively minor leagues in comparison. So this could have been a massive opportunity for paramount plus plus to really blow out the windows and bring in a ton of people for um the premier league they've missed that opportunity and and to wait another uh six seasons for the opportunity again to try to get a chance to do that that's a tough blow especially um during those world cup years too but
1: I, i have to tell you that i think uh uh, based on uh, and my instinct, and I said that er, this a little earlier that Warner was the real co- was the biggest competition for NBC for this, and then now uh, seeing that report that they they had to actually build bid more, I think CBS is going to face intense competition from Warner Media, who of course had the rights before, right, the Champions League, um, and opted out because they didn't have the right streaming platform. Now they have HBO Max, um, and they by the time the bidding for pre- for the Champions League for the next set of UEFA rights comes up, they will probably have Discovery Plus under their uh, umbrella also. And we know Discovery Plus has had interest in soccer properties. My concern for CBS is that Warner is going to come after the Champions League rights, now having been rebuffed uh, in an effort, uh, apparently a high bid, to, to, to take the Premier League.
0: I'm not so sure on that one, though, too, just because of the way that the relationship ended with uh, Turner basically handing back the keys and saying, hey, uh we lost, we're, we're a sore loser, we're giving it back. We don't, we don't want it anymore. And uh, UEFA might say, ah, okay, I mean, yes, you're That's offering true. the money. That's a good point. You mean, That's oh, and and, and Water Media might, on the other side, might say, okay, hey, uh, if it's a Champions League, we don't want a three-year deal again. We want a, a six-year deal or a nine-year deal like NBC yeah. Sports got in the past for the Premier League. So, um, but then again, though, too, it's, it's WarnerMedia slash Discovery, Discovery might have a whole different relationship with um, UEFA and the two giants merging together uh, who would be desperate to get some soccer rights. They've missed out on the Premier League. They've missed out on, on all, even the European Championships. Major League Soccer might be, might be too soon for them because now yeah, that there's…
1: Disco- go ahead. Oh, Discovery has soccer rights throughout europe so they they have more experience in the business than warner does so you're right since they're merging um we're calling it warner media but maybe the discovery side of um of the warner discovery uh, combination is going to push soccer more uh but that merger may not be done in time for the mls rights and and you're right it maybe discovery is the one with the soccer expertise and warner misses out on that also
0: yeah, and that's what happens next. Now, now that we know that uh, the Premier League rights are staying with NBC Sports, I'm sure Major League Soccer is making some phone calls, saying like, "Hey, guys, uh, remember us? Uh, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, ESPN, Univision, Zone, uh, Amazon. Like, hey, like, like, don't forget about us. Uh, can we have a chat on Monday? Can we talk about the uh, the rights deal? And let's get, get this thing moving. Let's get this thing done before the end of the year." Uh, I can see that happening, definitely. So, so we talked about this uh, a little bit on on social media on Twitter, but I think this is a good deal for Major League Soccer. The timing of this, uh, and also having NBC get the rights, the incumbents sticking with the Premier League. Um, that I don't think NBC Sports would have been interested in the in Major League Soccer even if they had lost the Premier League rights. So now it's it's the usual contenders, and it's probably a whole bunch of other companies out there interested in MLS and then it's just the opportunity of MLS selling it and, and just try just like with the premier league saying like, Hey, this could be the ticket uh, for you to get a whole bunch of exposure, uh, during the world cup when we have a lot of MLS players playing in the world cup in, uh, 2026, as well as, uh, well, 2022 is the last year of the, the TV deal, but 2026 is, is the big one for, um, for viewers in this country.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I, I think that that's maybe part of the thinking here is that it, with a six-year deal that runs through that World Cup, you'll have a bump up. Because, again, I hate to say it, and I, I don't want to be a, a seller for this, but I just don't think the linear numbers uh, justify uh, this sort of expenditure. Now, I, I think USA Network has is in more homes than NBCSN was, although that may not make a difference if people aren't looking for the games. It's not a sports channel. But um, that could give it a, a slight bump when, if, if you have games on USA – uh, it's a more mainstream channel. And uh, the, the you know, NBC linear games have been, I think, fairly disappointing. Um, I, so this another interesting aspect of this is that ESPN missing out means their, their efforts to build ESPN Plus as a platform that Spanish language uh, dominant subscribers would subscribe to takes a hit. Because I think if they had had the Premier League in, in Spanish, that would have led to more signups, inevitably. For ESPN plus uh, maybe it doesn't yep. add any new subscribers on the English side because they, all the soccer fans already have it but uh, English language soccer fans but I think it would have been a pretty big deal on the Spanish language side instead Telemundo which has already overtaken Univision as the number one Spanish language network largely because of the summer tournaments they have because of the Copa Americas and the uh, and, and uh, the World Cup has uh, is now in a position where um, they Keep the Premier League for six more years, and they can build that uh, that brand further. So, I, I, when I'm saying the linear numbers, I guess I'm sometimes forgetting in Spanish. Telemundo, it's good for them, and it also is a roadblock on ESPN. So, it's not just that it helps Telemundo uh, continue to to battle Univision uh, on the it's got some ownership issues uh, themselves uh, on the Spanish language side, but it's also blocking ESPN from taking. Spanish-language subscribers and viewers away from NBC and away from Telemundo.
0: So speaking of Telemundo, we'll, we'll move on to TV streaming news. No, knowing you and I, Karthik, uh, during the rest of the podcast, we'll probably come back to talking about NBC Sports and the Premier League and the TV deal, because uh, it's in the back of our minds for sure. But Telemundo this week announced their initial plans about their World Cup coverage for 2022 that will begin in 12 months. Uh, Telemundo will air 56 games on broadcast TV, more than what Fox Sports is planning on on having on the Fox network. In addition, eight concurrent group stage finale games will air on Universo. Uh, Andres Cantor is back as the chief commentator. All of the games will have commentators on site in Doha, in, in Qatar. And uh, the tournament will run through uh, November 21st, 2022, all the way through till December 18th. And uh, Telemundo's also announced that they've sold out almost all of their inventory, their advertising for the World Cup, uh, 12 months in advance of the tournament. So good news there from Telemundo. Um, Kartik, speaking of Spanish-language television, um, obviously there was a big game last week with the U.S. men's national team, but wanted to see if you could share some of those uh, view numbers which uh, was on a different broadcast uh, broadcaster
1: yeah yeah so obviously uh, uh, there was uh, um, the the u s mexico game played in Cincinnati uh, showed the power of the u s mexico rivalry uh more than four point two million people watched the game uh, between spanish and english two point nine million of them watching in Spanish on Un division and two dna uh, 1.3 million watched on ESPN two, which, by the way, beat the NBA game on ESPN at the same time. We don't have the viewing figure for the ESPN plus broadcast. That is where I actually watched the game because I want. I they had a pregame show, which ESPN two didn't have. They were showing USF and Cincinnati college football games. So I just I watched on ESPN plus, and once they turned it over to John Champion, I just kept watching. There was no incentive for me to to switch back to linear. So I'm sure. I'm not the only person who did that. We don't have those numbers. Um, but pretty good numbers, and, and uh actually should mention, um, although I, I guess we'll get... No, no, I'll, I should mention that the uh, U.S.-Jamaica uh, 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 number on Universo was not as bad as I thought it would be, considering how few homes that channels in over 200,000 viewers on Universo, uh, which was the only place on linear TV you could see U.S.-Jamaica.
0: Yeah, so that U.S.-Mexico game we're not going to talk, talk too much about it, but it, it was on ESPN2. We knew that a couple of months ago, uh, as we reported, and it was on ESPN Plus too, which is, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, they had the college football game uh, right before it, and actually it, it kind of overlapped. Um, so we only got one minute of, of pregame on ESPN2. Of course, Univision had all of their coverage, plenty of pregame, halftime, postgame, etc. But in terms of the actual coverage itself, I mean, it's it was night and day. If you looked at... ESPN's coverage of US-Mexico compared to Jamaica against US on Paramount+. Plus. And if I had to give, give a quick rating, just kind of a subjective rating uh, of my own, um, forget about the pregame show on ESPN2, but just the actual match coverage itself, I'd give ESPN probably a 9 out of 10. It was good, really good. Top-level commentary, John Champion, uh, Taylor Twelman. Great atmosphere, great sound. I mean, studio was pretty good on site, but 9 out of 10. Compared to CBS Sports' coverage uh, on Paramount Plus of Jamaica against U.S., I'd probably give that like a 5 out of 10. Um, not having the commentators in the stadium. Um, Dre Cordero for whatever reason, very flat, very monotonous, no energy, um, do jumping back and forth between the studio set and then going and doing the, the co-commentary like to me I, I would think that you would fi- be able to find somebody that's just a co-commentator rather than having someone run around and doing that doing that um the pre-game was almost all focused on u.s very little on jamaica uh just too much too much laughter not enough analysis um, just really weak, really, really weak. And, 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 and probably a five out of 10 is probably me being actually a little bit, uh, um, kind of more positive than, than maybe, uh, it actually was, but I, I just saw a huge disparity, uh, in those games. And actually later that night then too, watching Canada against, um, yeah. Mexico, what a difference. I mean, what, I watched that on time. Go ahead, go ahead, Carter. Give, oh, give your opinion on oh, yeah, that one.
1: Yeah. So I've I gone to a, a college basketball game, which is a local rivalry, FAU versus Miami. So place is hopping. It's jumping. Um, I haven't been to many non-soccer events in the last 15 years, really, the last 10, 10 years at least. So I, I was really pumped after this. And, again, it was a local rivalry game in, in FS, FAU's gym. So really, really pumped, fired up. Uh, uh, get, get back, uh, watch Andres Contour and the atmosphere in Edmonton, and, um, and how amazing that was. Uh, and so after watching Contour, the Telemundo broadcast, the Canadian crowd, which I knew was going to be upbeat. I, I used to be the press officer for a league that had FC Edmonton in it, so I've been, I've been up there a few times and, and know the soccer community there was dying to have a, a World Cup qualifier like this, so I knew they'd get behind that team and, and, and bring that energy to watch CBS's – so I didn't watch CBS Live, is my point. I had been to an event, which was amazing, and then I went and watched Canada and Mexico. To watch the CBS broadcast, a Paramount Plus broadcast, after those two events, Chris, I cannot – I mean, five is, to me, maybe, again, I'm skewed because of the two things I had just been through. Um, I would say it was like a two. I mean, it was awful. And they didn't – a lot of laughter, a lot of jokey stuff, not real analysis of the team. I think that there was – over there was an over-positivity about the United States. Um, and then when it didn't go well, there's an over-negativity. They go to the opposite extreme. Um, there doesn't seem to be much credit or understanding of Jamaica. I mean, Jamaica is a, Jamaica's a team right now that has uh, one of the top, what would you say, Chris, top 10 or 15 players in the Premier League, at least, Mikel mm-hmm. Antonio. Sure. I mean, this is a top, top player um, a, a, among other guys. Right. Leon but Day come on but
0: but. but. Yeah. But absolutely, you're right there too. But I'm actually focusing more on the match commentary. I mean, myself. So, so the the pre-game, halftime, post-match are, are important too. But just even the match commentary. I mean, so you have again, you have a co-commentator and a commentator who are calling it out of a studio. You've yeah, got right? in comparison, you've got Andres Canto and Manuel Sol in Edmonton freezing their butts off,
1: and and uh, and uh, the, their uh, their studio. Studio. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah 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 the whole crew was there the whole crew was there, bundled up in in stadium um you I mean right there making a huge commitment and then you have Cbs's coverage, which was very i don't because so it so, so,
1: reminded
0: me of I, I sorry to cut you off, but it just re- occurred to me uh,
1: or it occurred to me Tuesday night, but it occurred to me again that game reminded me of the first u.s mexico game in Columbus and ESPN had the broadcast and it was uh, it was uh, Jack Edwards and taikio. And it was the biggest sales pitch for soccer in this country we had had. And this was in February of 2001 that we had had in uh, in I think ever at that point, yeah. which um, ESPN did a great job with and really helped, I think, solidify uh, the energy and enthusiasm around the U.S. national team and the growth of soccer in this country. I uh, Same vibe from Canada on on Tuesday night. But it wasn't just the fact that Canada won and all of that. It was that Telemundo broadcast here in the U.S. that uh, really kind of gave me that same feel. So to watch CBS after that, you're right, the commentary well, thing also.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's horrible. I mean, to, to, to me, Paramount Plus, it reminded me of being sports. Uh, and it's a lot of the right. same people, a lot of the same commentators, a lot of the same same crew, but even the production level, so what they were doing, so because they didn't have the commentators on site, they were taking the audio and so it wasn't kind of a pure audio source, they were kind of uh talking over it, so you didn't hear the crowd noise that well, and you I mean not having the commentators in the stadium is it's a huge miss uh Kale, Kale and kyle and i think it was adrian uh adrian marquez i think it was on the commentary but just night and day versus t- um um telemundo when i switched telemundo on the picture looked better the sound quality was so much better the commentary was so much better and i don't even understand spanish and i was like okay yeah. this this is yeah, 10 times know. better than what i'm watching on paramount plus um i was just really disappointed by it. The coverage. I just really, really thought that CBS Sports and Paramount Plus really let let us down there with the 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 international coverage. I
1: would make that it's just like so. I'm watching, uh, going back to US Mexico, I'm watching uh, that game and I'm noting in the first half the critiques and commentary of Champion and Twelman. I'm actually like saying, okay, Twelman's making a great point about Rahul Jimenez coming off the injury. The head issue, how he's playing differently, he's drifting deeper than he normally does. John Champion is making observations about kind of the patterns of play in the U.S. midfield, throwing it to uh, to Taylor to to discuss that. And there's this give and take and this analysis going on. There's none of that going on in the CBS broadcast, right? I mean, right. they're straight calling the game. I get that there may be different styles of commentary, but um, coming after Champion and Twelman. Uh, it was also a letdown. So it was kind of a letdown compared to what else was going on that night, and it was a letdown compared to what we had had on Friday night from ESPN2. Um, look, uh, Chris, this is now becoming a pattern for CBS. We gave them great plaudits um, in, uh, in the, the CONCACAF Nations League and, and obviously Champions League. We still give them great plaudits for Champions League. But this has become a pattern now with U.S. national team men's games, hasn't it, with the last few times they've had the U.S. men's national team.
0: Yeah, I I think a lot of it is because they're not there. They are in a studio in in New York City. I mean, they're not on-site. They don't they're not feeling the energy there. They have a pitch-side reporter which is relatively useless. I mean, that person's not capturing the atmosphere or is not really I mean, you, if you're going to have someone at the stadium Send the pitch side reporter home, send the commentators and have the commentators on site at the game. And at least give us that. We're not even getting that. I mean, Telemundo was sending the people all, all over the continent for the CONCACAF games to call games. Um, just, yeah, a huge letdown there. Just a couple of more news items, Karthik. Um We spoke before about um, Amazon making a, a play for the Premier League rights. Ultimately, they didn't get it. But um, I think missing out on the – not having a TV channel probably is, is a, big, uh, a big reason why they didn't get it. But uh, Amazon has released a new series uh, on Amazon Prime Video called Maradona – I'm sorry, Maradona Blessed Dreams. And it's a Spanish-language series about the life of Diego Maradona. I know you've been watching it. I've been watching it. I've been, I've, I've been sick the last week or so, uh, so I've been watching more more television than normal. The interesting thing about it, this is that um, it, it looks at his entire life um, from as a child all the way through the Napoli years, the Barcelona years, uh, Argentina, the winning the World Cup, etc. But the funny thing is, Kartik, there's, there's a couple of cameos in there from uh, Fernando Fiore, which I wasn't expecting, but I thought he did a really good job.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. No, I'm actually enjoying, uh, enjoying this series. I'm on episode four. I'm about midway through episode four, and I'm... I'm uh, I haven't binged on it. I want to so it's funny, these series, sometimes you binge on them, but some of them, like this, I want to kind of watch every episode and appreciate it. Maybe because, again, it's a subject material. It's Maradona, it's a soccer show, soccer football show. It's not some some drama, some comedy show I'm watching. But I, I'm really enjoying it. I, I like it. Uh, it's well produced. They go back and forth between English and Spanish, which is a little confusing. Maybe I'd prefer it to be all in Spanish with English subtitles or vice versa. Um but I, I think it's really good. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I know I've talked to some people who don't like it, who think it's over dramatized. But um, I like it.
0: Yeah, no, no, good acting. I think it's highly highly recommended. It uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. Maradona, oh, and it's in blessed 4K dreams. Also,
1: by the way, sorry, Chris, but it's in 4K also for the audience that likes 4K, like really well produced, which Amazon does do with their original stuff, really well produced 4K picture.
0: The one thing I would say, though, I'd recommend not using the subtitles because the subtitles are like way off. Like, so I'm hearing what they're saying in Spanish, and I know what they're saying for some words, and then the the subtitles are completely different. I'm like, that's not what they said. Um, so it's 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 dubbed, so you can, you can listen to it uh, dubbed, uh, which is okay. And I think the acting is really good. Um, I again, I highly recommend it. Uh, Maradona, Blessed Dreams. Speaking of Maradona, too. Spotify uh, is launching a podcast uh, audio series called The Last Days of Maradona, which is available, I believe, for free. And uh, that one, the actual uh, host of that show is uh, Thierry Henry. It's an investigation into The Last Days, um, talking to the reporters and photographers who, um, who saw him in the last few hours. Uh, and we we're able to share those stories. Okay, let's move on to the listener mailbag. First up is Greg, and Greg says, uh, it's way too early to say that ESPN got burned on La Liga. Yeah, Messi's gone now, but with Xavi uh, in as manager, he may come back, but he'd leave soon anyway. But uh, Mbappe is a a lock for Real Madrid, and good Lord, if they get Haaland. The question for ESPN is, are they going to put in the same kind kind of effort to market the league that NBC did in the early days of the Premier League. Are they going to try to do fanfests? Will they throw matches on the big um, big channels such as ABC when they're not uh, uh, ne- neck deep in NFL and college football? So far, the presentation has been good. Let's see if and how they try and improve. Kartik, what's your take on that?
1: Um, yeah, and Bobby's a lot for for Real Madrid, I just... I don't see it right now. I think that there's a consolidation of power and prestige outside of Spain, and uh, and the, the financial problems for Barcelona are not uh, going to go away because Xavi is there. I, I, uh, I'm i surprised he took the job given, you know, we know Luis Suarez told him not to. Suarez is a competitor now, right, at, at, at Leti, but uh, the financial situation in Barcelona is pretty dire, and um, I I just don't see it. I mean, I think Real Madrid is going to be able to ramp up, although they're not in the greatest financial uh, position either. And uh, I think you're, you're going to need to see a management change there, uh, whether it's uh, Pochettino coming in, maybe he comes with Mbappe in the summer, or, 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 or some sort of uh, more ex- entertaining, exciting manager than, than Carlo Ancelotti, a less pragmatic manager to, to elevate La Liga again. The Fan Fest thing they could do. I just don't know that La Liga fans outside of the fans of those two clubs in in, in the country are as passionate about uh the the, the league and that they I don't know that they could take it to 10 12 different cities like NBC has done with the Premier League. So I, I think it's a mountain to climb and you know when you consider how much they paid, you know I'm I'm hitting NBC saying they paid 433 uh a year uh, 2.6 billion overall for 6 years is, is too much. You one uh, it's a bargain compared to what ESPN paid for the for La Liga. If you ask me, I mean, I just think um, I, that number is—they're going to have a hard time making that money back.
0: Yeah, that's the thing about ESPN though. ESPN's coverage of La Liga this season—I can't fault it. I mean, they've done everything that they've. Uh, they've been they, great, yeah. I mean, they've the got, been time. on site for a couple of games. They've brought in some kind of uh, heavyweights in terms of commentators and in terms of uh, co-commentators, analysts. Uh, we've had, we've had Macca, we've had Ian Dark, we've had uh, Sid Lowe, we've had Graham Hunter, we've had, you mean, Dan Thomas. We, you've had all these names of people that have been promoting it. We've had post-match games uh, coverage, halftime coverage, pre-match coverage. So I think what it is is that, I mean, if you're a soccer fan... And 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 you're a neutral. Maybe you're just a a neutral soccer fan. You love the game of soccer. Give me three reasons why I should be watching La Liga right now. And and I would say one of those reasons is Atleti. And Atleti, you mean a really interesting team to watch. Um, You mean definitely pragmatic at times. Diego Simeone I mean can he do it again but then again you look at Atleti in the Champions League and you go like well yeah Liverpool actually beat them at the Wanda uh, uh, Metropolitano Stadium uh, which is a huge victory Um, so how good is Atleti in comparison to the other teams in Europe so what are the other two reasons to continue watching La Liga what are the storylines what are the things that are going to grab you and pull you in and a lot of the games I've watched this season, and I've watched a lot of La Liga games, um, it's, it's not that interesting. I, I, I just I just haven't found something that I'm like. Now, if I look at, uh, you mean the French league or the Bundesliga? The French league for me this season has been on fire. A lot of it not on the pitch. A lot of it in the stands in the stadium with you mean just a lot of um, violence happening. Um, but it is, I mean, just in terms of the fan bases and, and how intense and how hardcore it is, how passionate it is. Um, to me, the French League is more in- interesting and exciting, both on the pitch and off the pitch, than La Liga this season. And I, I'm, I'm a big La Liga fan. Um, what about you, Karthik? Is there anything that ESPN can be doing differently? I, th- I mean, the Fan Fest thing, I think, it is a long-term thing. But is there anything that either espn or la liga could do to change you to get to you to watch more la liga
1: no and and honestly i think they've done a great job i think their their coverage i would argue has been better than nbc's coverage of the premier league and when we talked about this uh we've, we've already put out uh, or, or recorded a video for world soccer talk um where we talked about this where, where you and i both feel like nbc needs to upgrade their their bumper coverage uh, around the uh around the, uh, the the games uh, in the next uh, six years. I don't believe ESPN needs to upgrade anything they do with La Liga. I think they're doing it almost perfectly. Nothing's ever perfect, but almost perfectly. I just don't think, uh, I think that the ship has sailed, unfortunately. The timing was bad. Those couple of years, La Liga was on, was stuck on VN, who cable uh, companies and satellite companies had dropped while uh, uh, the Premier League was riding high on NBC and the Bundesliga and uh, and Serie A had managed to get themselves into better, better situations, better windows on, on linear television and on streaming, um, have been costly, to say the least. And that, that, it wasn't just a year. It was about three, three seasons that it was like that, where La Liga was tougher to watch in this country than Serie A or Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you come back,
0: you reintroduce the product to the American public in, in mass, and you
1: don't have Messi or Ronaldo to reintroduce it with. It's, it's a problem.
0: Yeah. And like Greg was saying, too, I mean, next season, Haaland, uh, well, Xavi's already there, but uh, uh, Mbappé, Mbappe, Mbappe, yeah. I mean, then it's a different story. Then it then it becomes yeah. a, a more interesting league to watch. I mean, Vinicius Junior has been great with Real Madrid this season. But, I mean, again, it's, I mean, Real Madrid's. I don't know. It's just, it's not the same. It's not the same. Uh, yeah. On to the next uh, listener mailbag. This is from Steven. Steven talks about Major League Soccer. Steven says, MLS won't ever take off for the casual soccer fan until they they align their season with the major global leagues, which is also effectively the school year. Over the summer, I've turned off club soccer, except for transfer rumors. When I start watching Arsenal, Juventus, etc. every year, I think I'll, I'll give MLS a try. They they deserve it. And then then I remember that it's in the middle of the season and I'm too late. Next year, I'll remember that the season starts shortly after the Super Bowl, and it just never happens. <laughs> um, the, the, I agree. There is, there is that rhythm, right, Kartik? Yeah, no, I, I've, uh, I'm have
1: i a big advocate. I'm one of the – I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I guess I am. I'm one of the foremost advocates for shifting the calendar in the U.S., one of the most vocal advocates, along with the likes of Eric Minalda and some others, uh, for shifting to the European calendar – Another thing I would point out, Stephen, is youth soccer season runs from August to May. So even in this country, uh, the development leagues, the leagues that are actually developing the players, run along the same calendar as school and as the European club season. And quite frankly, uh, in half the country, it's too darn hot for young kids to be out running around chasing a soccer ball in June and July. They won't develop at the same level as they would in, in, in March or April. So um, that affects MLS. as I mean, I have all kinds of arguments for why I want the calendar to change, including, I, I think the quality of play is badly impacted by playing over the summer in a country that um, is very hot. I mean, we are hotter that during the summer than most places in the Northern hemisphere. I mean, we're just, and mm-hmm. that's the whole country. Uh, you can go to Minnesota uh, around July 4th, which I've had to do when I worked in the NASL, when Minnesota United was actually in our league and it, it's scorching up there. Uh we had a game uh, uh, where we had uh, field temperatures of about 120 degrees in Minnesota one uh, July 4th weekend. So, um, yeah, I completely agree. And I think also the transfer windows have never been aligned, which, which is bad for MLS. All kinds of different reasons. I, I'm not going to get right. too deep into it. but Steven, you're right. Then I'll just leave it at that.
0: We have to remember the reason why the calendar is the way it is with for Major League Soccer. And that's because when MLS was uh, started... In 1996, it was effectively started by, I mean, people involved in the NFL. So right. a lot of NFL owners who had NFL football stadiums that were being unused, mean, you know, after the Super Bowl and, and all the way through till about September. So the MLS season was was the off season for NFL. It was, I mean, usually like March to September. And as the years have gone on, and more and more teams have have, have uh, been uh, uh, added. The league now kind of stretches into, I mean, sometimes November or December with the playoffs. But that's the reason why. There's that's not that there was a conscious effort made in 1996 to say, "Hey, we're going to pick this calendar because it's the best calendar possible because of the weather." The weather is definitely a factor. This country is such a huge cont- uh, c- country, uh, and playing in Canada too. I mean, you're playing on the continent. Um, so many differences, time zones, etc. It, it is a beast to try to figure out a way to, to make it work. But let's not kid ourselves. The reason the calendar is the calendar is not because of uh, because it was a better idea. It was just because it was monetarily. I mean, it, it made sense. All right, listeners, we've covered a lot in this uh, episode. And uh, if you've got something that you want to uh, say, we'd love to read your comments out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And Karthik heading into another weekend of soccer. I'm looking forward to Liverpool against Arsenal this weekend. Uh, what about you? What are you looking forward to watching?
1: I'm going to look forward to Napoli, uh, that Napoli-Inter match, which is uh, uh, on, uh, on CVS Sports Network, at um, or Inter-Napoli, sorry, it's at the San ciro uh, on Sunday at noon. I'm really looking forward to that match. And again, uh, CVS Sports, I think, is doing a great job with Serie A. And they're giving it the sort of windows. I know last season ESPN showed a lot of games, but they didn't show games other than the, the COVID restart period a couple of seasons ago. They haven't shown the games and the time slots that CBS is. So um, I'm really upbeat about being able to watch these Serie A matches on linear television and um, the number of, of magazine shows uh, associated with Serie A that CBS is showing. So Inter Napoli for me, Liverpool for our Arsenal for you, right, Saturday? On NBC.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, and 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 I think in some ways this episode it could be like the the more things change, the more they stay the same. So after (laughs) (laughs) after debating this and riding this roller coaster ride, uh, it's just been a fun ride to analyze it and and to see where it it uh, left off. And congratulations to NBC Sports on getting the rights to the Premier League for six more years. Um, The level has been high, so we're looking forward to seeing if they can kind of even raise it even higher. And Karthik heading into another weekend. Uh, what are the listeners going to do and what are you going to do?
1: Enjoy your football. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.